You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. We've, we've come to sort of a bit of an end of, of that series I've been working on called Rock Solid, but now I'm sort of pivoting into the next part of that series, which is a, sort of where I wanted to actually start the year. And it's interesting that I wanted to start the year with where I am now, but I, I, I seem to get sidetracked with a lot of foundational stuff or, or building a, a case for where I was headed. So this is now where I wanted to be about six months ago. Um, but, but really, it, it's been effectively a series on discipleship, all right? And this idea that when someone builds their, their life on the foundation of Jesus, uh, we've got the stories of uh, building a house on the rock. We've got the, um, the um, teaching of finding rest in Jesus. So when we build our life on the foundation of Jesus, when we put into practice his words and work, like taking his yoke upon us, um, obeying his teaching, we will be transformed, won't we? So we'll be transformed like Jesus in character and action. We've looked at stories like Jesus walking on water and sort of the challenge that I put out to us of as disciples of Jesus, do we have the faith and trust to be like Jesus? Can we deny ourselves and be truly loyal to Jesus? And when we're doing all that, when we're living that life of a disciple, we're going to thereby enjoy this beautiful fruitful quality of life that we're, we're made to enjoy as people of God, made in the image of God and placed in this world as his representatives. So that's kind of where we've been. And there's this idea that really as, as believers, as disciples, our lives should look different to everyone else's life. Like this, this stuff should mean something and translate into things that we do and who we become that, that will look different to other people. And, and, and I guess there's this, um, I, I guess what I'm trying to communicate in all of this series is that we can't just live like everyone else and then have Christianity as a little add-on corner of our life. It's not like just enclosing the front veranda. You know, that's the Jesus part, you know. I can't be bothered doing a full reno, just going to enclose the veranda there. And I, I think that's how um, we, we get caught up in, in this, this modern world and modern society with all the amazing stuff and priorities and distractions and, and beautiful, wonderful, fun things. Um, but if Jesus is really not at the core in the sense of changing who we are and changing how we um, interact in the world, then then I think there's something we're missing in our faith and life with Jesus. So that's what I've been sort of trying to communicate. But I guess for me, I understand, hey, as believers, we sort of need some things to organise us, channel us, funnel us into that life of Christ, don't we? You know, we're human beings. We get distracted. We can sometimes find it hard to prioritise the right things in our life. And I think that's where things like a weekly commitment to church is so valuable and important, isn't it? It's that routine and structure in our life that channels us into the things of God isn't it? But there are other things we can be doing and incorporating into our life that will channel us into the things of God. All right? So that's where we've been, and this is where we're now headed. And that was the pre-sermon. All right? I'm going to now do the sermon bit. All right? Okay. That's where we're headed. Formed until Christ is formed in you. Galatians 4.9. I want you to get that verse into your heart. All right. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but if you raise a puppy with rabbits, the puppy will learn to hop around like a rabbit. 
If you, uh, if you go for a walk in the Kindra Forest, you might notice that the wallabies are perfectly camouflaged with the, the dark bark of the cypress pine trees. And you might notice that the eastern grey kangaroos are beautifully blend in with the, the grey dry grass and the grey colour of the bark on the gum trees. Have you noticed that if you've been for a walk in the forest? Uh, there's a saying, you are what you eat. Have you heard that saying? It's basically, you know, you need to eat good, healthy food to be healthy and well. And it uh, interestingly came from a 1826 book by a French author who wrote, tell me what you eat and I will tell you what you are. In the Barbie movie, for anyone fortunate enough to have seen that, oh, yes, no, okay, just me then. Um, just me and little one there. Uh, the, the, the Barbie movie, all the Barbies act and think alike. All the Kens act and think alike. They're sort of a product of their world. All right, they're an expression of the, 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 this Barbie world that they live in until they leave Barbie world and go to the, the real world. And then they become, um, they, they take on the, the values and the ways and the beliefs and the desires of this other real world. And, and really all of these examples are examples of how living creatures are shaped by who or what they spend time with. Now that's either helpful or it's going to cause rather big problems. Now for animals hiding from predators, looking like their surroundings is advantageous, isn't it? If you are what you eat though, for someone with an extreme liking for KFC, it's going to cause problems, isn't it? Living creatures are shaped by who or what they spend time with. So that means you are shaped by who or what you spend time with. When I was younger at university, I studied developmental psychology. And uh, really the big hot topic then, it probably still is, is are people a product of nature or nurture? Meaning, is it genetics? or their environment and upbringing that, that, that plays the greater role in who they become as a person. Obviously, genetics plays a huge role, doesn't it? But I, I think the influence of our surroundings on who we are and who we become is immense and, and probably under-realised in our daily life. Uh, being a World Cup, I, I, I couldn't resist having a reference to Sam Kerr and the Matildas, look, Sam Kerr, raw natural talent, without a doubt. She's got the genetics for an elite level of sport, but she comes from a sporting family with boxing, basketball, Aussie rules, all having been played competitively and professionally by her relatives. And so she's obviously been just immersed in a sporting culture and lifestyle and in a family that values and encourages sport from a very young age. So her genetics is, is significant, but, but environment, it's just everything. You are shaped not just by... Uh, your family, but by a whole constellation of variables. Like stars in the sky, the things that shape and form us as people are too numerous to count. 
They're the people, the things that we experience, the things that we see, that we do. It's the ideologies, it's the culture, it's the time in history in which we live and which we're just immersed in. Uh, there's a course uh, that I'm basing this series on by Renovare. And Renovare describes our formation as the product of, and I'm just going to quote here from one of their teaching videos. They say, our formation is, is the product of your parents and your grandparents, your siblings and your friends, your education, your work, the way you've been endlessly marketed to, all the neural pathways you formed in your brain through multiple exposures to images and ideas and through repeated patterns of thought, through the forces of habit, the way you've been loved, the way you've been wounded. Your formation is the product of every conversation you've ever had, every book you've ever read, every song you've ever heard, every joke you've ever laughed at, and yes, even every clip you've ever watched on the internet. Everyone gets some sort of formation in life. The question is not, am I being shaped and formed in some way by my environment? The question is, what formation am I getting? Matthew 12, 34 to 35 says, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. I think an even better question then, what sort of formation am I getting, is what kind of person do I want to be? You'll do and be that which is first formed and shaped inside of you, won't you? Your heart, meaning your will, your character, your mind, your personality, it's going to influence how you love your spouse, parent your kids, deal with conflict at work, how you treat your neighbours, how you treat your enemies, how you treat your friends. It's going to influence what you spend your money on and how you spend your spare time. It's going to influence what you eat and what you do and how you feel. And when our, our heart and inner life is, is filled with good, well, that goodness is going to flow out of us and be on display. Our inner spirits have an outer expression, don't they? And so we are, are, are formed by life and living, and it's called spiritual formation. It's a spiritual formation that we receive in life. We're not just physical beings, are we? We have a spirit. And so how our spirit is formed is going to be the foundation for who we become as people. The problem is that the status quo or the default setting for our spiritual formation, our spirit's formation, it's not all that great, generally speaking. I think the default setting is, is often a bit like a Microsoft Edge internet browser. Um, you know, Windows will regularly try and trick you into setting Microsoft Edge as your default browser. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's just one of my pet dislikes, um, rather than Chrome, which is infinitely better and most people's choice, isn't it? 
Um, but Microsoft Edge is just full of, of junk and advertisements and clickbait. And I think if you try and browse the internet with that, you're going to very quickly get distracted, off task, and end up something, somewhere that you really did not want to be. And so our world is full of the same junk, advertisements, and clickbait. And I think if you let society be your default browser for life and spiritual formation, you will start to look and think and act like the world. And I mean, that's fine if that's what you want. What spiritual formation do you want? What sort of person do you want to be? Now, if we're choosing to have our, our spirit formed by the world, know that you are going to be formed by the world's culture and society and art and entertainment and literature. You're going to be formed by the world's education, your friends, your peers, media, technology, movies, celebrities, economics, politics, governments, the time and place and history in which we live and so on. Do you trust those things and those people to form your inner person? Do you want those things to provide for your spiritual formation? Romans 8, 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And so we do have a choice, don't we? Do we? Do we have a choice? Yes. And it's not just a one-time kind of back then when we gave our heart to Jesus kind of choice. It must be, it can be, it should be an everyday choice. Every day we have a choice. What kind of spiritual formation do I want today? Right now, in this moment. Matthew 12, 35, a good man brings up good things out of the good stored up in him and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. And it's a rather simple choice between two options. What stores up good in me? And, um, you know, who or what fills your life with, with peace and patience and joy and self-control and wisdom? And then... What stores up evil in us? What, who or what fills your life with, with chaos and stress and anger and hatred and envy? Proverbs 13:20, walk in the way, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Christian spiritual formation happens when we specifically and deliberately choose to focus our life on Jesus instead of all of that other stuff. And is there anyone you'd trust more than Jesus to shape you? And so in our life and daily living, it's all about focus. You'd be familiar with the Should Have Gone to Specsavers campaign. Uh, they're an iconic marketing campaigner, aren't they? Um, 
for an international chain of optometrists. They've actually been going for, for the last 20 years. They've been using this campaign. I was watching one ad the other day. It was a beach volleyball ad where it was obviously a competitive game of beach volleyball and the blonde-haired lady was there getting ready to serve the ball and then there was um, a very muscly-looking fella on the, other, on the other side of the court getting ready to hit the ball. And he suddenly, you know, sees what he thinks is the ball, <laughs> leaps up and gives this almighty whack. And it's, it's, of course, it's a seagull that he's spied and hit. And he thinks he's hit the ball. And so he's whooping and celebrating and cheering. And everyone's just standing there looking at him, wondering what on earth he has done and is going on about. Should have gone to Specsavers. Um, Sometimes when people need glasses, they don't realise that their vision is off, do they? They don't realise that their sight is actually blurry, that their focus is bad until they put on the glasses. And so in life, I think we can easily uh, chase after the wrong things. And we're blind and hard of sight or we're foolish in the things we do unless we've got the correct vision and the correct focus. And if we don't, we just blindly continue on in life with, with no idea that the things we're doing are actually a bit wonky because it just seems normal to us. We don't realise there's, a, there's a, a different way to see this, there's more to see out there. What's your focus? What's, what's your focus? Romans 12.1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Colossians 3.2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Ephesians 4.22-24, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Christian spiritual formation happens when we open ourselves up to the work and presence of Jesus in us. And so we are to continually offer ourselves to him. We are to set our minds on him. We are to put off our old self and put on our new self. And this new self is what we receive when we're born again. It's a, it's a, it's a foundational part of, of our salvation. Now, now think about those verses I've just read to you. Who's the active agent there in those verses? Well, actually, it's us. I mean, we're not just passive bystanders when it comes to our spiritual formations. We offer ourselves up to God. We open ourselves to his movement in us until Christ is formed in us. We offer, he moves. Set your minds on things above. You're the active agent there. You know, you were taught... Put off your old self. You're the active agent there in that verse. Put on the new self. You've been given it, but you've got to put it on. It's there for you. It's prepared. It's made. Put it on. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. 
we offer, Christ moves. And then in that, he forms in us. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and your heart of flesh. John 10, 10, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. 2 Corinthians 4.16, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Inwardly we are being renewed day by day. We offer, he moves, Christ is formed in us. This is spiritual formation. What will the process actually look like though? Like what happens? How does it work? I think there's a word you're already very familiar with, and the word is discipleship. Discipleship. Richard Foster says, believing in Jesus and discipleship to Jesus are actually part of the same action. We position ourselves to Jesus' formation through being his disciples or his apprentices. And so discipleship is this process that I'm talking about that's a process of of following and learning and doing. This is how we offer ourselves to him. This is how we present our our bodies to him. This is how we put on the new self and, and cast off the old. And so when we follow Jesus... We've got to first leave things. Got to first leave things. Matthew 4, 18 to 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. They couldn't have followed Jesus if they didn't first leave their nets and boats, could have they? Don't miss the significance of that in our call to follow. Dallas Willard says, A disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in his or her life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. Disciples are simply people who are constantly revising their affairs to carry through on their decision to follow Jesus. Do you know what I like about that quote from Dallas Willard? The the words constantly revising. Our our life as a disciple is not a set and forget. It's a a daily choice, a daily decision, a daily re-evaluation of our priorities and our loyalties. The Renovare course that I'm I'm basing this series on says this. It says, disciples systematically and progressively organise the details of their lives to grow in their capacity to focus upon and to be open to Jesus. You know what I like about that quote? The words systematically and progressively organise. There's a thoughtfulness. There's an intentionality. We're not just haphazardly Drifting through life, we're intentionally and thoughtfully organising the details of our life to um, open us up to the movement of Christ in us. So I guess the question for us or for you, for me, um, like what do you need to leave in order to better follow Jesus as his disciple? What do you need to leave behind? 
It's a paradox, isn't it? To say yes, you've actually first got to say no. If you can't say no to things, you won't ever say yes. Who or what do you need to say no to in your life? What do you need to leave behind to follow Jesus? And I encourage you right now, take a moment. Just quietly pray, Jesus, show me anything that is, is stopping me from following you wholeheartedly. Ask him that question. Secondly, when we follow Jesus, we learn from him. Matthew eleven twenty nine to 30. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Of course, the yoke of Jesus is his teaching. It's his authority. It's his way. It's his knowledge of what is good and right. It's his understanding about who we are and about what our Heavenly Father wants. And so we are to learn from Jesus. And I'd refer you there to my previous sermon that I did, number three in the, the, the um, series, Rock Solid Satisfaction, uh, all about uh, the yoke of Jesus. And if you missed that, jump onto our website, Spotify, whatever, and, and have a listen to what it means to take his yoke upon our life and to learn from him. How do you learn best? I mean, if you were asked to, to, to learn how to, I don't know, tie one of those fancy balloon animal things or tie a, a special knot or something, how, how would you best learn that skill? Would you prefer a written set of instructions? Pictures? Someone to just show you? I mean, I, I, I would normally say, give me some written instructions and I'll do best with that. Someone verbally gives me instructions and tells me how to do something, it just evaporates in my brain <laughs> into nothingness. What helps you learn? Do you learn best alone with people by reading, writing, listening, doing, creating, making, in quiet or with sound? In a structured course or just discovering things on your own. You know, when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus and learning from him, I want to say there is no one size fits all. And I think one of the disadvantages of evangelicalism is that it's made discipleship a one size fits all model. Do your morning quiet time, full stop. That's it. Um, and I want to say, if you're, if you're experiencing a sort of the discipleship doldrums, um, and you've given up on this stuff because you can't seem to make the evangelical model of discipleship and, and spiritual formation fit you, can I encourage you that discipleship needs not be like an Udi, one large cumbersome size that fits all. I want to say to you, discipleship should be more like a pair of jeans. <laughs> Oh, you think about it. You think about shopping for jeans. I mean, you'd know, right, wouldn't you? Skinny jeans, relaxed jeans, boyfriend, straight leg, boot cut, flare, cropped. You could have American, European, British or Italian sizes. It could be for men, for women, 
Imperial metric measurements, I mean, it's a minefield out there in, in uh, genes. But the way you are to be a disciple to Jesus will be as unique as you are. You, you need to know that you have been uniquely wired and shaped to learn it. And so apply that to your discipleship to Jesus. That's your unique fit. That's, it's like buying a pair of jeans. You, you, you have to find what fits you, don't you? And so you might learn from Jesus by, by study and by reading. Maybe it's by helping others or doing practical things. Maybe it's by talking or thinking or listening. Maybe it's in song or in prayer. Maybe it's writing or creating. Maybe it's through asking questions or, or just memorising information. But as you learn from Jesus, your, your spirit is going to be formed and shaped by him as it grows in an understanding and a knowledge of who God is and grows and understands about what is good and right and desirable. And so this is discipleship and it's really is what is at the heart of Christian spiritual formation. So what's your gene size? As a disciple, how do you best learn? So when we follow Jesus, we must first leave things. When we follow Jesus, we must learn from him. And then thirdly, when we follow Jesus, we will do things like him. Matthew 14, 28 to 29. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. You might remember that from um, number four in our series, Rock Solid Faith. Again, if you've missed it, go back, have a listen to that. But discipleship is all about doing what Jesus did. There's, there's an imitation component to discipleship. What does Jesus do? Can I do that too? So discipleship is not just this um, cognitive knowledge-based thing. There's practical training involved. It's like an apprenticeship. There's these things you do. Um, our, our Renovare course, again, it, it says this. It says, if in the Gospels we see him stepping away from the busy demands of his life to pray, then as his apprentices, we should too. I mean, it's simple, but do we actually do, we actually do that? If we see him reaching out to the outcast, well, we know that that's something we need to practice as well. If we see him quoting scripture in the wilderness, then we know that part of our apprenticeship will be to learn scripture by heart. So ask yourself, what does Jesus do? And can I do those things too? Finally, and, and I think probably most importantly in all of this, when we're thinking about what Christian spiritual formation is, is that um, Christian spiritual formation happens when we open ourselves to Jesus as his friend. John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. The way of discipleship, all of the different uh, spiritual or discipleship practices that we do, the things we learn, they're, they're not ultimately uh, techniques or life hacks 
or obligations or duties or requirements. They're actually simply ways of being with Jesus. Like all of this stuff is is how you spend time with Jesus as a friend. Think about the impact that friends have on your life. Just in your head right now, name your top three friends. What impact do they have? What influence do they have in your life? Remember, you're shaped by who or what you spend time with. And so our friends are going to have an incredibly powerful way of influencing us. Our will, our desire, our character, our goals. And I I think that's because friendship engages our emotions. And I I don't want to get lost in the sort of the psychology of of that rabbit hole today. But um, essentially friendship, I think, is going to have a longer, greater, uh, longer term impact on your formation far more than reading a book will, doing a course or listening to a sermon because there's this emotional aspect of relationships and and therefore they have a greater impact on our brain. And so I think the, the best and the most effective Christian spiritual formation happens when we open ourselves to Jesus as his friend. And this is where he will truly have the the biggest influence on your life. He's not just rabbi, lord, saviour, son of God. He's all of those things, but he is also our friend. And so as you spend time with Jesus as friend, prayer becomes an expression of your friendship with Jesus. Worship becomes an expression of your friendship with Jesus. Church becomes an expression of your friendship with Jesus. Communion becomes an expression of your friendship with Jesus. Confession becomes an expression of your friendship with Jesus. Submission becomes an expression of your friendship with Jesus. All of it becomes an expression of our friendship with Jesus. And so over time, our will, our character, our inner person will be changed intimately, deeply, profoundly. And then our whole life becomes an expression of our friendship with Jesus. This is Christian spiritual formation. We are all being shaped by who or what we spend time with. So the question is, what formation do you want? And is there anyone you trust more than Jesus to shape you? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I I think the the answer we give to that question is, is no. There is no one but Jesus that we would trust more to shape and form our inner person, our inner spirits. And so we do offer our, our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our wills, our emotions to you, Jesus. And as we journey with you as as friend, would our whole lives uh, be be formed in your image? Would our whole life and character and will and desires and actions start to, to, to reflect you and be like you? We want to be formed by you. And so give us wisdom and discernment about those things in our life, those priorities, those aspects of um culture in the world that that we need to just um, 
downgrade the, the priority and importance of so that we can put you as, as number one in our life. I just pray that as we journey together as a church, we would be um, just a real source of encouragement and a real source of just speaking uh, life and truth and, and, and good things into one another. Use us to, to shape one another. Use us to um, uh, uh, build one another up in Christ, we pray. Amen.